Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. And we're live. Hello. Hello. And you are? Steph? Snow. <laughs> I was like, what are we doing? Is this a new bit? What's happening? <laughs> I think I said that, but I meant, how are you? And you are? <laughs> uh, I'm fine. <laughs> Thanks. I'm cold, but yeah. I'm fine. I mean, it's, it's just going to get worse. I know. I'm not looking forward to that. It did snow for the first time. It didn't stick, but it was Thank on my God. car. Yeah. yeah. You just get used to it. It'll be fine. Right? I, just, I have a parka. You do. And it's nice. Um, speaking of cold, the person we're going to be talking about today, or at least one of them, has ice in the veins. But okay. not in the best way, in the like, uh-oh, this is bad kind of way. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I was trying to segue. It was a new thing yeah. I was trying out. Did you like well, it? I you really, I think you did it well. Thank you. But it, it took a couple steps for me to okay. get there. <laughs> All right. Well, we got there. Anyway, I'm going to be telling you a really crazy story today. So why don't we just we jump go. right in? So we're going to be taking it back to 2016. Throwback. Way back when. Great year. In, was it? In New York. <laughs> in New York, where 35-year-old Olga Svick lived in Forest Hill, Queens. She was an eyelash extension technician in New York City, and she worked at a salon near her home. She had come to the U.S. from Ukraine and had made a successful career as well as a happy life for herself. One of Olga's clients was a woman named Victoria Nazarova. And on August 28th, 2016, Victoria called Olga for an emergency appointment, telling her that she was having an eyelash emergency. An eyelash emergency. Yeah, that, that happens. Okay. She was going on vacation and she needed her extensions refilled before she left. So big Big deal. Big deal, Big important deal. emergency. Mm -hmm. Victoria had been Olga's client for about six months at that point. The two of them both spoke Russian and they even looked alike. So they had quite a few things in common. On a few occasions, Victoria had suggested the two of them should hang out outside of the salon, but she kind of gave Olga a weird feeling. So she always declined. So she's like, I actually don't think we're going to be friends. Oh. We'll just keep it client eyelash keep it technician. Yeah. Keep it transactional, you know? Yeah. I don't want to get to know you. No, just give me your money. For Christ. Let's, let's spend an hour Gross. together, Max. Yeah, that's yeah. quite enough. The day Victoria asked Olga for an emergency appointment, she wasn't working at the salon since it was her day off. But Victoria begged her to fit her in. That way she could look nice for her trip to Mexico that was coming up. And she told Olga she could just come over to her apartment and she didn't even need to go into the salon. But Olga told her that she only took clients at the salon, so she would have to wait for another day. But Victoria was quite pushy about needing her lashes done that day. And she even acted as if the two of them were friends. And she just needed a favor from her friend. After a while of back and forth, Victoria broke Olga down and she agreed to see her for her eyelash extensions and told her to just come over to her apartment. So she's like, fine, even though we're not actually friends, but I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> we'll put that aside. Yeah. It's an emergency. She's Needs going to, to Mexico. Now. I mean. What is she going to do? Of course. Look like trash in Mexico? Yeah. You can't do that. No. When Victoria came to Olga's apartment, she brought with her three pieces of cheesecake. 
She quickly ate two of the pieces and then insisted that Olga have the last one, kind of as like a thank you for making time for me kind of thing. And she told her that it was the best cheesecake in New York, and she had gotten it from this famous bakery. So Olga ate the small piece of cheesecake, but only minutes later, she knew something was not right. She began vomiting, and the next thing she knew, she was being rushed to New York Presbyterian Hospital. Like, that was when she regained consciousness. Holy shit. Yeah. The morning after Victoria's appointment, Olga had been found by one of her neighbors. So, like, she fell unconscious, and then she had to be found to have an ambulance called for her. Okay. So she just peaced out. Victoria did, yeah. And not only did she peace out, but it seemed as if she had stolen a bunch of things and maybe was the reason she fell unconscious. It's certainly looking that way. Right. Isn't it? Yeah. And Olga pieced that one together real quick. But so Olga had to be found by one of her neighbors, like I said. And when he walked... also, how was she found? Like, so she collapsed in her apartment. Yeah. How did anyone find her? It was like a friend who came over and found her. Just randomly? Honestly, I don't know why the neighbor came in, but thank God he did, because if he didn't, then Olga would have been... Yeah. Wow. But also, like, I'll, I'll mention this later, but, like, the heat was blasting in her apartment, and it was, like, August. So there were certain things that were kind of strange. Really? Yeah. Okay. So maybe they, like, I don't know, they wouldn't feel the heat. I don't know why the neighbor came in, but it's it's a good thing he did. Let's just say that. Yeah. So anyway... When he walked into her apartment, the heat, like I said, had been on full blast, which was extremely odd since it was the middle of the summer and it was very hot outside. Olga was then found unconscious and laying on her bed in lingerie. What? And she was surrounded by loose pills. So assuming Olga had attempted suicide, the neighbor immediately called an ambulance. Olga had absolutely no recollection of the night before. From the moment she began throwing up the cheesecake, she had no memory. When she got to the hospital, it was discovered that she was only minutes away from having a heart attack. She was in really bad shape and had actually fallen into a coma for 34 minutes. And when she had woken up, she was experiencing severe dizziness. Doctors took Olga's blood and urine for testing, and surprisingly enough, they came back negative for any substances, which was odd considering the state she was in. Doctors were able to stabilize Olga enough so she could be released from the hospital after being there for only three days, which I guess is kind of a long time, but, you know, in considering how she was, not, yeah, I mean, not she terrible. Yeah, died. Yeah. Her Wait, sis- so did she go into a coma at the hospital? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, when she got to the hospital, they were like, oh, you're minutes away from having a heart attack and dying. And then she, you know, they stabilized her enough, but like she was in a coma for 34 minutes. They put her in a coma? No, she fell into a coma for 34 minutes. Wow. Her sister Irina had flown into New York to be with Olga. And once she saw the state her sister was in, she immediately called the cops. Olga had still been very woozy, even after a few days in the hospital. But when she got home, she did realize that multiple items had been stolen from her apartment. Some of those items included her Ukrainian passport, U.S. work documents, $4,000 in cash, as well as accessories like jewelry and purses. Oh, she's trying to steal her identity. This rat bastard. Well, it sure does seem that way. You said they look alike. They do. I mean... I was trying to leave breadcrumbs, but... (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. I should (laughs) have shut up. It's okay. No, it's pretty obvious. It's like... We're on to her. We're on to her. She's very sketchy. So September 2nd, 2016, Kevin Rogers, who had been a New York City police detective for 20 years at that point, thought he was getting just a routine call. 
Patrol told him they had a woman who claimed she had items missing from her bedroom, but that's all he knew. He didn't know anything else. <laughs> we failed to mention the poisoning. Yeah, well, because at that point, they didn't know because her labs in the hospital came back negative for any substances. So it was definitely strange, and Olga felt like it was Victoria who did it, and it was something in the cheesecake, but they didn't have any proof of that yet. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, if you don't have anything on the toxicology, right. what are you going to do? Yeah. So when Detective Kevin Rogers got to her place, Olga immediately told him about what had happened, what had been stolen, and that she suspected Victoria Nazarova was behind it. She told him she had just come back from the hospital and couldn't remember much. She recalled she had eaten the piece of cheesecake that was given to her by Victoria, and immediately after that, she became violently ill, which was when her memory stopped. She had told Victoria that she was feeling sick and was looking for a place to lie down since she felt like she might throw up. And Victoria told her not to worry that she would clean it up. And then she went to the bathroom to get some paper towels. By that point, Olga had begun hallucinating before she fell unconscious. So that's all Olga remembers. Wow. I have no idea what would make you puke immediately mm -hmm. and then lose your memory. I mean, I'm thinking like whatever Rufie is. Yeah. But... That doesn't make you puke. I don't actually. It might. Does it? I think, yeah, I think it does actually. Because it makes you look, feel and like seem like you're very, very, very drunk. Hmm. Okay. And people do get sick from it for sure. Okay. I just didn't know it was that immediate. It's pretty immediate. Yeah. But she was tested at the hospital and you would assume that they tested for roofies. Oh, right? yeah. Right? Or, you know, that drug. Detective Rogers honestly thought the situation was suspicious, which... <laughs> is not crazy to say because yeah, it was a very suspicious situation. Olga had still been pretty woozy from everything. And to him, it seemed like she may be a drug addict. So he wasn't taking the things that she was saying all too seriously. She had been found with pills all around her, practically overdosed. He told her he wanted to believe her, but something just wasn't adding up. But Olga was adamant that Victoria had done this to her and had stolen her things. Rogers wanted to know for himself if the doctors had found anything in her system, but when he called the hospital, they told him they couldn't give out any patient information, which again made him believe that she may not have been telling the truth. I guess so, but he should know that they can't just like give the information over the phone. Yeah, I guess he was just like, assuming wouldn't you like- you go there with a, or ask her to go get it? Yeah, you would at least need a warrant. Like they're not just going to give it to you, but he tried. He's been working as a detective for 20 years. He doesn't know that? <laughs> I, I'm sure he knew, but he was like, maybe I'll get lucky. I don't know. That seems weird to me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's just what he did. So upon further investigation, Rogers did find plastic containers in Olga's garbage that looked like they still had remnants from a pastry. Olga confirmed that those containers were from the cheesecake she had eaten. So they took the garbage in for evidence and for testing. In the meantime, he began searching for Olga's client, 47-year-old Victoria Nazarova, but he couldn't find her. And at that point, the case had kind of died. They had nowhere else to go with it. That was until a few months later when Rogers came across a new witness. One of Olga's neighbors reported seeing a woman visiting her the day after the cheesecake incident. And the neighbor told the detective that he had actually spoken with Victoria since she had come and gone from Olga's apartment a few times. And Victoria had told him that Olga was sick. 
which was why he went to check on Olga. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. I forgot uh, okay. about that. Okay, there we yeah. go. So Victoria was like, oh, she's sick. And she, she was going back and forth between her apartment, clearly stealing things. I mean, the, the neighbor, I'm sure, didn't know that she was stealing things, but he was we concerned. Know. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's when he found her unconscious in the room, surrounded by pills with the heat on full blast. And he said it was like a sauna in her room. Like it was very hot. He reported to police that when he found Olga, she had been barely dressed, wearing only some skimpy lingerie. And when Olga heard that detail, she was extremely concerned and confused because she knew that day everything went down, she had been wearing sweatpants, as she always did on her day off, which meant that someone had changed her and, like, staged her. Whoa. Yeah. Rogers wondered if someone actually had tried to kill Olga and then staged it to look like a suicide attempt. And so at that point, he began to believe Olga's story because now there's other people kind of corroborating. Yeah. And that's when he had to make the uncomfortable apology to Olga for not believing her at first and told her that he would do his best to catch whoever had done this to her. So once again, he focused his energy into finding Victoria. The only problem was he had no idea where to look for her. At the same time, private investigator Herman Weisberg, who had also been a New York City detective at some point in his career, was tracking Victoria through her social media and ads on Russian dating sites. He said some of her ads were targeting a certain audience, and she was advertising her services as a dominatrix and apparently as an escort. He believed she was using these ads to commit crimes of opportunity. So while Detective Rogers is searching for Victoria Nazarova, this PI, who is completely separate from this case, is also searching for Victoria Nazarova. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when you say she's trying to attract a certain audience, who is that? <laughs> um, people who want to use the services of a dominatrix. <laughs> Sorry, what? Hello, I'd like to use the services of a dominatrix. <laughs> I don't know. How does that work? I don't know. This is funny to me. I have no idea. She would allegedly use drugs to knock out people and then steal from them. So Olga wasn't her first one. And she would take money and valuables. In the meantime, Olga went back to work. She shared her experiences with some of her clients, which was when one of them told her that her husband's friend also believed he had been drugged. <laughs> he was also really into strong women for some reason. <laughs> yeah, right. Dominatrix type, if you will. Um, no, his name was Ruben Burkhoff. And a few months before Olga had eaten the cheesecake, Ruben, who ran a nearby dry cleaning business, had met a woman on an online Russian dating site, and that was Victoria Nazarova. She told Ruben that she was a good cook, and he told her that he loved to eat. You know, classic online dating banter. So they arranged, <laughs> so they arranged to meet at her place for dinner. She had cooked Ruben fish, and after he had taken one bite of his meal, he was out of it within five minutes. That's so fast. Yeah. Like Olga, Ruben had passed out almost immediately. And while he was unconscious, Victoria had taken 800 maybe maybe $1,000 in cash from him and then went on a shopping spree, spending another $2,400 on his credit card. Damn. Yeah. Two days later, Ruben was still out of it, but Victoria managed to drop him back off at his work. And Ruben, sorry, what? How much time has passed? Like two days. Wait, he's been out of it for two days? Yeah. What? What? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he he's, was like... Where is he this whole time? In and out of consciousness, like with Victoria. In and out of consciousness with Victoria for three days? About, yeah. Two and a half. What, so she's just like... Dragging, spending his money. 
dragging him around and spending his money? I don't know if she was dragging him around or leaving him at her apartment, but she took his credit card and she went shopping. So she has to keep drugging him. Potentially. How do you do that for three days? I don't know. I mean, it was a pretty strong drug. Because think about Olga, who went to the hospital and got treated by doctors, was also still out of it three days later. Yeah, I mean, this is crazy to me. Victoria managed to drop him back off at his work after these two days. And Ruben's employees had been there at the time that Victoria dropped him off. So she told them that Ruben had just had too much wine the night before while they had been having dinner together. But she was acting very strangely. So they took a quick video of her as she gave her story to them, which love that. Thankfully, Ruben's sister had called an ambulance for him because she also could tell that he was not doing well. Victoria fled the scene before the paramedics arrived, but not before she allegedly robbed him again. She loves doing that. Yeah. She's just in it for what she wants. Just any chance. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, she went down into the basement and allegedly took hundreds of dollars that he had in a box as well as his watch. Why do you have so much cash? He was a dry cleaner. Maybe he just had cash in a box. Oh, he was a dry cleaner. Yeah, I mean, this was at his place of work. He he owned the dry cleaner. This makes sense. Yeah. So now if we go back to Herman Weisberg, the PI, he discovered while looking into Victoria's past that even though Ruben and Olga had been close to death, they were actually the lucky ones. In 2017, Herman Weisberg began working with a woman named Nadia Ford, who claimed that her mother, Ala Alexianko, had gone missing back home in Russia. So Nadia Ford was the one who hired Herman Weisberg. Okay. Nadia had been very close with her mother. The two would talk every single day. So after not hearing from her, she knew something was wrong. Nadia said before her mother disappeared, she had mentioned to her daughter that she had made a new best friend. And that was Victoria Nazarova. Before Victoria came to New York, she had been living in Russia and was Allah's neighbor in the apartment next door. Allah and Victoria were definitely an odd pairing as far as new friends go. She was much younger than Allah, and also they didn't really have much in common at all. But according to Nadia, she was very friendly toward her mother, and her mother trusted everyone. So it was just kind of a bad combination. In the fall of 2014, Allah had told Nadia she would be sending her daughter some special gifts. Her new best friend Victoria would bring them to her. Victoria would be carrying $6,000 in cash and other valuables, including two fur coats that would be hand-delivered to Nadia. Oh, boy. I don't know why you would ever do that, but she was just like, oh, I trust my best friend to deliver the $6,000 and the two fur coats. But she was trusting the wrong person. I mean, this poor woman, she just... She's just a kind old lady. Yeah. Yeah. And unsurprisingly, Victoria never showed. And on October 5th, when Nadia tried to call her mother, she couldn't reach her. She called her mother at least a hundred times that day, but she never answered. Nadia was, of course, extremely concerned for her mother because for eight years, she always answered Nadia's call. Nadia had believed her mother's sudden friendship with Victoria was suspicious, and that only grew after she accessed her mother's cell phone records online. She saw that Victoria was the last person to have called her mother at 11 p.m., and then after that, there were no more completed calls. Oh, so the phone's gone. Pretty much. It's either off or she's not answering anyone. Like, there was just no more calls after that. Nadia's heart dropped because she had a very strong feeling that something terrible had happened to her mother. 
she decided she had to go to her hometown of Krasnodar in Russia to find the truth about her mother. Krasnodar is about 800 miles south of Moscow. And this was still at the time that Victoria lived in Russia, so Nadia convinced her to meet her outside her mother's apartment building since she was still the neighbor, so she still lived in that apartment building. She confronted Victoria, who loudly insisted that Alla was fine and she was still alive. Victoria then ran up the steps of the building, away from Nadia. So Nadia chased after her, asking her why she was running. She's like, if everything's fine and you have nothing to be guilty about, why are you running away from me? She wanted to get her steps in. Yeah, or something. Nadia then contacted police and brought them inside her mother's place, which was when she realized that the place had been looted. All of their family heirlooms, expensive jewelry, everything of value was gone. Whoever had stolen these things had also taken Allah's life savings, which was about $40,000, which she kept in a box hidden away in the apartment. Not good. That's rough. Yeah. The Russian authorities told Nadia just to wait and that her mother would return. What? They were like, it's fine. But that didn't stop her search. She traveled all over the country, posting missing persons posters everywhere. All the while pleading with Victoria over text to please tell her what happened to her mother. She promised Victoria anything she wanted. Her apartment, money, anything. She could name her price. All she wanted was her mother back. At that point, she feared she was getting nowhere with the search and with Victoria until she had an idea. She noticed that most main roads had traffic cameras, so she wondered if any of them had captured Victoria on the night her mother had gone missing. She needed to get access to these cameras, which she did by literally just buying access to them. She said, <laughs> she, she said in an interview, it's Russia, you buy things. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like, you have money? You can buy things. Interesting. The cops aren't going to help you, but you can buy your way to being a detective. Pretty much. Yeah, if you have the money, you can play detective. That's wild. And she wasn't playing detective. She was being a detective. Yeah. So anyway, she got access to the images from the local traffic cameras. About 100 miles from her mother's apartment, she found what she was looking for. She must have been looking through a lot of cameras. How much tape did she buy? I don't even know, but she managed to look at all the cameras within a hundred mile radius, it seems, because a hundred miles away, she found Victoria. She captured her mother in the car with Victoria on the night she went missing. The pictures were blurry, but she was sure that Victoria had been driving and her mother was in the passenger seat. The photo was from October 5th at around 10 a.m., which was the day she lost all communication with her mother. She hoped that it meant that her mother was still alive. So she called the Russian police about the pictures and was very shocked to find out that they already had those pictures. Bro, what? The police literally already had these pictures. Did they just not recognize it? You said it was blurry. It was blurry, but they were investigating her mother's disappearance, which was good news. But she was like shocked that they even had the pictures. They had found that the car in the photo had been rented by Victoria, so they brought her in for a lie detector test. But before the results came back, Victoria got on the first flight out of Russia to New York. She seems innocent to me. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely something an innocent person would do. Yeah. Nadia still continued her search for her mother, hoping desperately she would find her alive, even though things were not looking good at that point, considering Victoria was officially on the run. 
Nadia put all of her time and energy into searching. She wouldn't believe that her mother had been killed. That was until April of 2015, when she got a very disturbing phone call. The police had contacted her and let her know that charred human remains had been found in a remote area in the town of Amavir, which is about 110 miles from Nazarova. Authorities called Nadia basically just to make an identification. She initially told them no, it hadn't been her mother because it was just charred remains and she couldn't tell who it was. But after a few minutes of looking at this body's teeth, Nadia knew it had been her mother's body. Just the teeth? Yeah. Just from the teeth alone, I guess she was able to identify her mother, which is messed up. But I mean, if you think about like a burnt body, it's like you really don't have much to go off of other than like the teeth. Yeah, the dental records. Exactly. And the town of Amavir is significant because it was where Victoria grew up and it was where Allah's body had been dumped. By that time, Interpol had issued an international arrest warrant for Victoria Nazarova. Since Nadia had finally gotten her answer, she went home to Brooklyn this time determined to find Victoria. She decided to check Facebook, and to her surprise, Victoria's face immediately popped up. She was posting photos as if she had nothing to hide. Nadia saw the photos from Victoria's trip to Mexico, and she was just posting selfies. Like, she, it was like Victoria Nazarova, and there was just a bunch of selfies. Wow. Isn't that weird? It's so brazen. I know. Nadia reported everything to the U.S. police and immigration officials, but they couldn't find Victoria, which was when Nadia hired P.I. Herman Weisberg. So all of this was happening simultaneously. Herman Weisberg was looking for Victoria at the same time Detective Kevin Rogers was for the cheesecake poisoning. Herman Weisberg decided to use her Facebook profile to hopefully gain some insight into where she was. And he had a very keen eye for the details in photos. So late at night, he meticulously studied every photo that Victoria posted on Facebook until he found what he was looking for. In one of her selfies, she was wearing these big aviator sunglasses, which had reflective lenses. This is like some real PI shit. Like, Oh, nice. Yeah. So in the reflection, Wiseman saw the dashboard of the car she was in, as well as the stitching on the black leather headrest behind her. And it was light gray, which was like unique. So the next morning, he decided he would go out to this massive parking lot with thousands of cars and look into each one of them to see if he could find the make and model of the car Victoria had been sitting in. Oh my God. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Wait, can you tell the make and model just from the dashboard and the color of the stitching? Apparently light gray stitching is like pretty unique. And I guess the dash, like you could see the dashboard pretty clearly. So he was like hoping to find the car. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it might've been a long shot, but he was, he was like, I'm going to give myself the best odds here and go into like a really big parking lot. So he did that. And he found a Chrysler sedan with the exact same light gray stitching and dashboard. It turned out that only the Chrysler 300 had the stitching and dashboard layout in her picture. So he identified <laughs> the car. Shit like this is just poetic. Right? It's like very movie. It's yes. like very yet, detective like, in a movie. I was about to make that comparison. I was like, this is a film. Yeah. So now that Wiseman knew that he was looking for a Chrysler 300, it was time for the hard part, actually tracking down Victoria's car. Once again, he went back to Facebook and found that many of Victoria's likes were coming from Sheepshead Bay, which is a Russian neighborhood in Brooklyn. 
So he's like, okay, narrow that down a little bit. Sheep's Head Bay. Yeah, that was the area that they began searching in. Wiseman sent out a bunch of his investigators, and they found a bunch of Chrysler 300s in that neighborhood. <laughs> and the next day... It would just be so funny if, for whatever reason, just Russians in that part of New York all had Chrysler 300s. They were just all, they all That was it. just the car to have. That's funny. Uh, thankfully, that wasn't the case, but there were a couple of them. And the next day, he ran the license plates from all of these cars, and one of them came back with a Russian-sounding name. So he's like, okay, that sounds Russian enough. Let's look into this person. So he went to the address connected with this Russian-sounding name, and he found that outside the apartment building looked very familiar. He had seen it in some of Victoria's other photos on Facebook. In the background of another one of her selfies, you can see through a window behind her that there's this telephone pole with two sewer covers on the street outside, and they're placed like very specifically. And that telephone pole and the positioning of the sewer covers outside of the apartment building matched the ones in Victoria's picture. Bingo. So he gotcha, found, bitch. Yeah, he found the building and the car. At this point, Wiseman suspected that this was where Victoria lived with her boyfriend, who was the owner of this Chrysler 300. This was all speculation. He was all just like hoping, you know, like he's like, okay, maybe that's her boyfriend. Maybe she lives here. I don't know, though. Yeah, I mean, he's like tugging on the thinnest of lines. I mean, he's doing a good job. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, this crazy. is nuts. I okay, know. So you look in the reflection of her selfies mm -hmm. to f somehow find the stitching. I mean, it's just, it's nuts. It's, I mean, I would never think to do this, but it's, it's honestly kind of spooky because he found all of this out just from her Facebook selfies, which yeah, makes I mean, you think like some crazy person could potentially have that ability, which is unnerving. But also, he was very good at it. It was yeah, his job. I mean, he's worth every penny. Yeah, totally. Not? Very much so. So not knowing if Victoria actually lived in this building or not, they set up outside to stake it out and hopefully catch her going in and out. And thankfully, they got very lucky early on in their stakeout and spotted Victoria with her boyfriend walking into the building. Boom. Found her. What's insane about Victoria living there was Nadia only lived about four or five blocks away. Wow. Yep. So they were basically neighbors. Did she know that? No. Oh, okay. She had no idea. I guess it kind of makes sense if it's kind of a Russian neighborhood. Yeah. But she doesn't necessarily have to live in a, in a Russian neighborhood in Brooklyn. Like, it, no. it's a big place. Anyway, when Nadia found that out, she was, of course, very upset. But she didn't go to try and find Victoria because, according to her, she said, quote unquote, I would have killed her. Oh, 100%. Yep. Victoria's boyfriend at the time said that he, at some point, became one of her victims himself. Not only did she steal from him, but she killed his beagle, Joey. She killed the dog? Yeah. Victoria had apparently become very jealous of how much attention her boyfriend gave his dog, so she allegedly decided to poison the dog. And this was like neighborhood gossip, like the neighbors knew about it. Whoa. Yeah. They were like, Dude. that bleep killed his dog. That bleep? You know self-censoring i mean when you kill a dog i feel like we can say the word bitch yeah that's fair it's a bitchy move it's... to kill the dog <laughs> yeah i'd say that's an understatement what did the beagle do nothing he just, just got loved cute. yeah he just was really lovable that's yeah. all that's so sad because she was jealous yes. of the attention imagine being jealous of a dog girl right. unless he was sleeping with the dog which i'm sure he wasn't <laughs> you have <laughs> You have nothing to worry about, Queen. It's a pet. 
that's just psychotic. That was How a gross you... thing to say. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> no, but that like, that's really funny. <laughs> I was like, what? But like, you uh, know but what also I mean? true. It's not like he's cheating on her. He has a pet. <laughs> that's all he has. As if bestiality is cheating on her. Oh <laughs> that was good. <laughs> it became very clear to everyone involved that if Victoria wasn't arrested, she would only continue doing very horrible things. So they're like, Obviously. okay, we got to get her. Weisberg called Interpol and Homeland Security, but neither one of them agreed to take action. What? Which makes I mean, no sense because she had a an international warrant out for her arrest. So yeah. like, huh? And now she's suspected in like multiple poisonings. Yeah, but I mean, I, do you need more than that, I guess? I don't know, but they didn't act on it. So that was when Weisberg called NYPD. And on March 20th, 2017, police finally arrested her. After obtaining a search warrant for the apartment where she was living, police recovered multiple handbags, a ring, and multiple pieces of identification belonging to Olga. Detective Kevin Rogers couldn't believe when his phone rang and he was told that Victoria Nazarova was in custody. Because remember, at the same time, he's like looking for her, but he apparently wasn't doing the whole Facebook scan of like where she was. So one day he just got a call that was like, oh, you know the person you're searching for? Got her. Wow. Yeah. All of a sudden, the poison cheesecake case began to make a lot of sense to Rogers. He realized that Olga had something that Victoria wanted. It wasn't handbags or money. It was her identity. This was supposed to be a mic drop moment, but you unfortunately jumped the gun. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I was it, it onto was... her from day one. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty obvious. But yeah, she was after her identity. Police had found Olga's ID in Victoria's apartment, and Olga's ID photo looked eerily similar to Victoria. Like, they were kind of doppelgangers a little bit. And they believed that Victoria had attempted to kill Olga to become her. But to make that argument, he would have to prove that Victoria's cheesecake had in fact been poisoned. When he sent the cheesecake container from Olga's apartment to the lab, they initially found nothing. But when Rogers sent it for more extensive testing, they learned that there was phenazepam present in the container. What's that? It is a sedative and at the time was primarily used in Russia. It makes you sleepy and can put you into a coma and then kills you. What are they doing over there in Russia? Drugging people sometimes? That's, I don't know. Like what use would the sedative have? I have no idea, but it's a poison and it's a sedative. So apparently it was primarily used in Russia, which is why when they initially tested Olga and the cheesecake container, nothing came up because they weren't testing for phenazepam. Yeah. So anyway, Rogers learned that phenazepam is especially dangerous in a hot environment, which also made sense because Olga had been found with the heat blasting in her apartment. They also found Victoria's DNA on the cheesecake container, which was huge, and the pieces of the puzzle were finally falling into place. Victoria was charged with the attempted murder of Olga, as well as assault and grand larceny. In an interview she did with 48 Hours before her trial, she admitted that she had done some of what they were alleging, but not all of it, and she wouldn't talk about it until her trial. She said she had nothing to do with the disappearance of Nadia's mother, Ala, and she said she didn't force Olga to eat the cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> That's your defense. Right? Okay. It's this an interesting is, thing to say. <laughs> this is, But this is classic, like, okay, I'm going to admit to like 10 percent yeah what, what they I what did. they know for sure i'll say sure but like 
I'll leave a little room for the defense to get me out of this one. And the trial actually took a really long time to happen. They had to wait six years. Really? To, yeah, to have it because it was put off so many times due to the pandemic. So uh, the, okay. the, it actually went to trial on January 30th of 2023. Seriously? Yeah. Wait, so it took them three years before the pandemic? Yeah, I guess. Because it was, yeah, 2017 when it happened. So she just been in jail the whole time? Yep. If she was innocent, that would be fucked up. Yeah, that would suck. But, you know, she wasn't. She's, so Yeah, she's not. And that was just for the poisoning of Olga. That wasn't for anything else. One of the main pieces of evidence was the cheesecake container. And the media went crazy over it because it was just so absurd. I mean, it was like poison cheesecake. Yeah, I mean, what? also, this whole, this whole situation is like killing Eve. You remember killing Eve, right? Yes, I remember. This is like a Russian person who just kind of goes around killing people, killing people, and yeah. stealing their money. That, yep, you know and what? They like just kind of into fashion. Obviously, <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. I mean, it's adding up. Y- yeah, it is kind of giving killing Eve, but like not not the good killing Eve was good. <laughs> <laughs> this is not good. I yeah, I mean, that was, like was a, a good fun show. Serial killer. It's cool. Yeah. Okay. Fair. She was <laughs> she was an assassin. It's the it's a different thing. She was getting yeah. paid to do it. She wasn't doing it for herself mm. here i am defending it's, an assassin it's, if it's it was her job she was employed <laughs> she was doing her job well and that's all <laughs> the prosecutor on the case had to basically tell the jury in his opening statement that they should look at the plastic container with crumbs in it as a murder weapon and it wasn't a joke he was like this could have killed olga so it looks silly but it's not silly the prosecution first called Olga to the stand to tell the court everything she remembered, and while she spoke, Victoria was smirking at her, like an evil villain. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I feel like we should allow Olga one one punch, full speed backhand to the face. I think that's fair. On the third day of trial, Nadia Ford took the stand. However, she wasn't allowed to go into specifics about the murder charges Victoria was facing in Russia, but they were still allowed to call her to the stand. She had to tell the jury that something serious happened in Russia, but that was kind of all she could say. But they basically wanted her to go on the stand that way she could convey how dangerous Victoria was just by like her body language and like her tone of voice, which was a risky move because it was, you know, all riding on not really her words, but more her tone wait so they were gonna put her on the stand to convince the jury of a menacing vibe this is absurd i know it was that's why it was risky it was like is this actually gonna help us or is it gonna hurt us i would say probably not gonna help you who's to say i'll let you know soon but while nadia was on the stand victoria didn't look at her once which is interesting because when olga was on the stand she was smirking and now when nadia's on the stand she didn't even look at her. God, I feel like I would call that out like, <laughs> so aggressively. It's weird. Ruben Burkoff also testified, telling the court that Nadia poisoned him during a date, stole his credit card, and went on a $2,600 spending spree. The prosecution was almost certain Victoria would testify because she was that kind of that kind of person. But she Would actually, you say that she had a menacing vibe? A bit. I've been convinced recently. Okay. Yeah. But she decided not to take the stand. She didn't want to answer any questions. But what they did have was that interview that she had given 48 hours. 
Then they read the answer that she gave the interviewer where she said she knew Olga, but she didn't force her to eat the cheesecake. It was pretty damning evidence because she basically acknowledged that she knew the cheesecake was poisoned because she didn't say I didn't poison anyone. She said, I didn't force her to eat it. Interesting, Victoria. What compelled her to give the interview? I don't know. I think she thinks that she's very, very smart and she like... Well, I mean, she's been getting away with it for well, she clearly, quite a while. She clearly is very smart, but like, I think she took it too far. I think she thought she could get away with certain things and she could, you know, she knew what to say to not get caught, but it kind of bit her in the ass. No, that's nice. Yeah, we love that. Defense attorney Christopher Hoyt didn't call a single witness to prove that she was innocent. He focused on the spectacle of the case and focused on how there was still room for reasonable doubt with the evidence that had been presented. He said no one saw Victoria put phenazepam in the cheesecake, and he brought up that Olga's doctor didn't find anything in her system. But again, they weren't testing for phenazepam, so... Yeah. He also brought up that Victoria had been living a very normal life. She was just using her name out in public... (laughs) And she wasn't trying to hide at all, which you would think someone who was doing these things would be hiding. This is a good point. However, did they not prove that she like stole from her boyfriend? I don't even know that that was part of the case. They were mostly focused on Olga and Ruben. Okay. But the prosecution said to that, yeah, but her U.S. visa was about to expire and she was scared to face charges in Russia. So she needed a new identity to continue hiding in plain sight. Yeah, I mean, they found Olga's passport with her. Yes, and work documents. Yeah. They said Victoria needed Olga's ID because she was an international fugitive and didn't want to go back to Russia. The defense said in their closing statements that even if Victoria poisoned the cheesecake, it's not enough evidence to say that she wanted Olga dead. After an hour and a half of deliberation, the jury found Victoria Nazarova guilty of attempted murder in the second degree. Olga and Nadia, who were sitting together, broke down because they were so relieved. More than two months later during the sentencing, Olga gave a statement saying her suffering went on much longer after Victoria's attack on her. She told the court she had a lot of difficulty trusting people after this whole thing. Imagine that. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Judge Kenneth Holder called Victoria an extremely dangerous woman, is his exact words, while announcing her sentence. The maximum sentence she could have gotten was 25 years. However, she was given 21 years in jail. And with credit for time served, since she, you know, trial took so long, she could be out in 15 years. As she left the courtroom that day, she said quietly under her mask to the judge, fuck you. Which, well, like, of course. Yeah, <laughs> She's I mean, not going to start being nice now. She have to be happy about it. Yeah, she's not going to start being a good person now. But it's just like, you couldn't even hold it in. Well, yeah, I mean, like, she had to go back and steal one more time from the guy she poisoned. Yeah. yeah it checks out. It does. But, you know, the greatest fuck you is 21 years in the can. Yeah, but it's looking like 15 because she already had six years under her belt. Yeah, but I think she's going to get out of good behavior. It's really like we'll see. 10, 15 at that hope, point. Hope not. Her time in jail has already been rough, apparently. She was being held in Rikers Island. And in 2018, she was assaulted by fellow inmates and sustained many injuries to her face and body. That year, Victoria sued New York City for $5 million for negligence in the Rikers Island attack she faced. She said that the Rikers guard stood by and watched as she was brutally beaten by a group of inmates. She was reportedly assaulted by four female inmates following an argument over a TV remote in the day room. 
After the assailants and Nazarova moved to the jail shower, she was punched in the face and then her head was repeatedly slammed against the shower wall while her attacker yelled, kill this bitch. The woman then dragged her by her hair back into the day room and continued stomping on her, causing her to lose consciousness. Oh my God. So it was definitely not a good interaction that happened. And the guards just like watched this happen? Apparently. That's not good. Yeah. I I mean, mean, no one deserves this. No. Yeah. Victoria broke her nose and was kind of blinded as a result. I think her vision ended up coming back, but like for a time, she like lost her vision. She spent five days in the jail hospital after the incident, according to court documents. And in the case, she claimed she still hadn't regained her vision and hadn't yet been able to see an eye specialist like at the time that she was suing the city. And they actually settled the case, paying her $325,000. Wow. Yeah, I mean, this is one where I'm on her side. I mean, if they if the guards actually just watch this happen, yeah, this is bad. No, that's definitely messed up. It's, yeah, it's You can't it's just like watch up. somebody get murdered. Yeah, she did settle a case and get hundreds of thousands of dollars, which I don't love, you know? Yeah. She also more recently has started some kind of art business in jail, making I... and selling 3D art. Oh my God. She made a few hundred dollars each month in Rikers for her illustrations, which w- included Disney characters such as Mickey Mouse to classic cartoons like Roger Rabbit and Betty Boop. And she makes inmates cards, posters, and t-shirts. Her signature work, apparently, is letters of people's names with butterflies and other things in 3D. So she's, like, selling art in in jail. And what she said about it kind of illustrates her personality. Because I think she thinks very highly of herself and is a little bit, like... I I mean, people throw around the word narcissistic a lot, but, like... Self-absorbed. Self-absorbed, sure. She said, you would be very surprised. I get an enormous amount of pleasure from seeing people's faces when I give them what what they ordered from me. Nobody expects it. I call what I make without false modesty works of art. Even for me, they look like little miracles. She has recently been moved to Westchester County Women's Prison, and it's apparently gotten hard for her to make friends there and find people to talk to. She said, I don't want to sound like I'm better than others, although in some ways I am. But to find a person on your intellectual level, it's hard to find people here that I can really communicate with. I want to talk about art, culture, travel, books. Okay. This is not a turn I foresaw. Yeah, she's... I I just enjoyed the, I don't want to sound like I'm better than others, although in some ways I am. (laughs) (laughs) It just made me laugh. Like, of course. That's a line. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, After she serves her time in New York, she will face deportation and potential trial in Russia for the murder of Ala Alexenko. So hopefully that happens when she gets out. Uh, Since everything, Nadia and Olga have actually become very good friends. When they met, Olga said she felt as if she had known Nadia her whole life. So it was a very strong bond. And other than that, I don't really have any other information about where they are now. But I am glad they're friends and I assume they still live in New York City. But that is the story of Olga Svik and the poison cheesecake. This is just interesting. The amount that she was able to scam people is kind of astounding. Yeah. Like, I, I really wonder how many people that this happened to. I was just thinking that. This is, like, just the most extreme cases of right. hers. Like, people who were actually close to death. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if there were other people out there who she had scammed and, like, gotten a lot of things from and, like, stolen from. Oh, yeah. Who knows? She was 47. Yeah, in 2017. I mean, it 
Yeah. Well, yeah. it's not like she picked that up right. in the 40s. Yeah. I don't think so. I would be right? surprised if you that know, were the case. Yeah, it would be surprising. She was too good at it. Right. She was too good at it. So what happened before then? Uh, I don't even know that I want to know. Right. And then where was she getting... Uh, Finazepam? How could I know? The black market? Like, where do you buy drugs that are you know poisons? What? I don't know. <laughs> It's so insane. It was very clear what the motive was there because she not only poisoned her, but like cranked up the heat and like yeah. stole her ID and her work documents and her money and, you know, valuables. She was very clearly trying to be Olga. Oh, yeah. That was incredibly transparent, even to me. <laughs> From and, the beginning. You know, I don't like to say that I'm on a certain intellectual level or that I'm better than people. But, but in, in some, some ways, ways, I am. I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that was that was obvious to anyone. But the other thing was the line where she said, I didn't force her to eat the cheesecake. Yeah, I bet she was like, kicking herself for that one. Yeah, but it's also like, how do you how do you even think that that is a defense? I don't know. That you was know? that was a major mess up on her part i mean the prosecution had a strong case from the beginning like with or without that line that was kind of the last nail in the coffin but like i wonder what would have happened if they didn't have that if she didn't say i didn't force her to eat the cheesecake like would the jury have found her guilty like was there any room for reasonable doubt they found phenazepam in the cheesecake container yeah and her dna on the container and that, the heat was cranked me, up and they, it she had her id and they they had an eyewitness it. like mm -hmm. place her at the scene of yeah, the crime yeah so coming like, in and out of her apartment and staged basically a suicide attempt i mean i guess that's olga's word to victoria's if there's no like yeah major but, evidence but still to me if you have her dna on the container with phenazepam and an eyewitness placing her at the scene i don't think you really need much more than that i agree but still, I think that that statement that she gave in an interview, like kind of yeah. offhandedly, was really the the seal. Seal the deal. Yeah. Yeah, but it is it is interesting to think about that. You know, that might have swayed them a little bit. Made their decision easier, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just I can't believe she just killed an old woman. I know. I was just gonna say, poor Allah. She was just like a lovely woman, yeah. and her daughter adored her. Yeah. And now just she's taken away yeah. from her. And all for what? Like some money? I mean, sure, she had savings and stuff, but like that's not like that would never be okay in any like it doesn't matter how much money it was. Like, oh, it's so sad. She's just like a trusting woman. That was yeah. that was her fatal flaw. I just I don't know how people get like to her level. I don't know where you don't care about anyone. I mean, I guess you know there's just those people out there. She's just but. like a career scam artist, a career criminal. Like, that's how she made her living. Like, to my knowledge, she didn't have a different job. Like, she just was that. <laughs> Allegedly, yeah, for, right? I don't know. For probably a long time. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. She's I clearly just, very good at it. Yeah. But, and, and Joey, the beagle. Uh, she has Joey, no heart. We forgot about Joey. She has no heart. The people, the animals, everyone involved. It's just, it's tragic. She did not discriminate. No. Yeah, it's messed up all around. But anyway, I think that's enough of this story. Why don't we why don't we move on to something lighter and brighter? Uh, what's your good thing? Uh, my good thing is that we have friends coming in from out of town. Oh yeah, we have out of towners coming in. Yeah, old friends. Old friends, but good friends. Yeah, 
Uh, so I'm excited to see him and hang out and yeah. get a little silly. Yeah, this weekend's We'll see how be fun. silly we get now yeah. that we're all old. Old, <laughs> old and tired. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's like, I always, I feel like I'm saying this more and more often. Yeah. Because like, I'm more old and more tired <laughs> as the days go I've, on. I've, I'm continuously having had enough of it. I know. Yeah. When we uh, had a little Halloween party with our friends over, they left before midnight because they had like work in the morning and we were like, oh my God, we get to go to bed before midnight. <laughs> yeah. On Halloween. <laughs> on the like Saturday, Saturday. Yeah. the Saturday of Halloween weekend. Like, <laughs> It definitely opened my eyes <laughs> to where I am in my life. Yeah. But then you wake up the next day and you're like, oh. I don't feel I'm, like death. I'm not hungover until 5 p.m. Oh, God. This is great. My hangovers are so bad. Let's go get a coffee and go to Costco. Yeah, let's go walk around. It's, <laughs> it's great. It's Life, is living. Life is living. Life is living. That's, <laughs> Life I'm is beautiful. Put, put that on a t-shirt. Life is living, baby. Um, okay, my good thing is that I set up our Christmas tree. And I don't even want to hear it that it's too early. It's November. And I would prefer to spread holiday cheer. And I don't care that Thanksgiving hasn't happened yet um, because it makes me happy. And I don't think that's bad. I don't think I'm a bad person for doing something that makes me happy. (laughs) (laughs) You really, you really are proactively defensive. (laughs) Well, some people are really passionate about that. You can't like put up Christmas decorations until after Thanksgiving or like, you know, you got to have the holidays in order. And like, yeah, I love Thanksgiving too. It's going to be fantastic. But We cannot deny, nobody can deny that Christmas decorations are more fun than Thanksgiving decorations. And that is just a fact. What are the Thanksgiving decorations even? Like a cornucopia? Yeah, a turkey. It's all brown and orange and whatever, beige. Like That's food. That's not a decoration. Give me lights. Give me cheer. Give me everything that's involved. And I did. I did that for myself. And I feel happy about it. And um, that's my good thing. Thank you. Um, that's my yeah, but my point is that there's no decoration for Thanksgiving. Like barely. There is, yeah, but but it's it's just like you know, it's not nearly as fun. It's not even memorable. See, my point is proven. You can't Boom. even remember. I do I know? It's just the turkey. <laughs> Anyways, do what makes you happy. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to look at all the pictures we post of all the stories we talk about, check us out on Instagram at notstay underscore podcast. If you would like to check out all the bonus content we have over on Patreon, check us out at patreon.com slash podcast. There's so much over there. If you have a story of survival or something crazy that's happened to you and you'd like to possibly hear it on an upcoming listeners episode, send it to knowtodaypodcast at gmail.com. We have a TikTok that is not today podcast and a Twitter that is not today podcast, but the T on the end of podcast is a three. Because that makes sense. And just keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah. 